0: I'm Charles Payne. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Greg Jarrett. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. I'm Trey Inkst. COVID-19 cases continue to spread across Russia as leadership in Moscow defends itself following the poisoning of a key opposition member.
1: The, the COVID situation in Russia is um, not getting much better. Uh, and this is just compounding what is already a very difficult domestic situation for Vladimir Putin.
0: This is the Fox News Rundown, Global Pandemic. Russia has seen more than a million cases of coronavirus, though it claims to have a usable vaccine. These developments come as Russian leadership faces new international scrutiny. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Luke Coffey of the Heritage Foundation. Starting first in France where a second wave of the virus is forcing new localized lockdowns. 39 people died in a single day this week, setting a daily death record since the initial countrywide lockdown was lifted in June. The French economy is projected to shrink 9% this year. Not to the United Kingdom, where 3,000 new cases were recorded yesterday for the second day in a row. The Oxford vaccine study, with a drug made by AstraZeneca, has been put on pause after a patient had a serious reaction. The pause was described as routine, and trials are expected to start again soon through this program. Finally, in Russia, the death toll from coronavirus surpassed 18,000 people this week. Russia has created an app to track the side effects of a new vaccine that is being put into circulation. While the Russians appear to be making strides on the vaccine front, Western scientists are skeptical about how quickly the development occurred. This does come as Russia is facing criticism following the poisoning of a top opponent of Russian President Vladimir Putin.
1: Alexei Nelvani, he's probably the most popular and the most effective Russian political leader against uh, Vladimir Putin.
0: This is Luke Coffey, Russia expert at the Heritage Foundation.
1: He was, uh, he became unwell uh, while he was uh, at his uh, party's office in in Siberia. And uh, at first they weren't quite sure what what the deal was, Uh, why he was unwell, he was taken to the hospital. Um, and then, uh, after some speculation as to what the cause could be, he was finally airlifted to Germany where the doctors there, um, stated that he was in fact poisoned by a nerve agent, uh, Novchik, which is the same that was used, uh, in Salisbury, England, um, about a year, year and a half ago against another Russian dissident that was living, uh, in England at the time. Uh, so this is a, basically the second time in as many years that uh, the Russian state has used an, an an chemical weapon, a nerve agent, to try to silence and and kill uh, political opponents.
0: It's pretty bizarre that you have state actors now still in the world using nerve agents against their opposition. Is this the type of thing that would have to be signed off on by President Putin, and? How does this change Russia's ability to operate, if at all, on the world stage?
1: Well, it would have to get the blessing from the very top of the Russian state. So I would find it hard to believe that Vladimir Putin was not aware of either of these incidents, the one in Salisbury in England or this most recent against Navalny. Um And both attacks were very audacious uh, in, in the Salisbury case. Um, the perpetrators, uh, did not take any effort to hide their whereabouts or their identity, uh, on, on cameras and CCTV as they went, you know, traveled from London by train out to, to Salisbury to conduct the, the attack. And in the, in this most recent case with Novani, uh, two men just ran into the, the, the political office I was referring to. Um, uh, one, uh, held the door open while the other one, uh, allegedly ran in and threw a yellowish chemical um, towards him. Uh, so uh, they are not even trying to hide what they're doing. And I think what, the, what they are trying to do is send a message, a very clear message, to uh, political opponents uh, around the world that you could be in, inside Russia, in Siberia, inside of your political party's office, or you can be on the streets of the United Kingdom. And you are still at risk if you uh, if you rub Putin the wrong way. So I think really they're sending a message.
0: Talk to me a little bit about how Russia controls their messages. I find it interesting that media in Russia often doesn't have the ability to report fully on these types of situations, and whether we're talking about poisonings or the race for a COVID-19 vaccine or a variety of other issues of international interest, the Russians seem to have the ability to put the narrative in their direction that they would like to be viewed in.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, there is a lack of diversity in opinion uh, in the Russian media and that probably derives from the lack of basic freedoms of the press uh, in, among Russian media outlets. Uh, but you have seen um, this, this void being filled, this void, this void of a lack of diversity in opinions and, and views being filled by social media, of course, which is harder um, for the Russian state to crack down on. And you have seen um, also uh, in, in recent months um, large numbers of protesters all across Russia protesting for different reasons uh, often all united in the view that Russia under Vladimir Putin is not um, any better off now than it was 10 or 15 years ago and there's a general feeling of, of discontent among many parts of Russian society and so while you may not see some of the grumblings manifest themselves through traditional media outlets, uh, certainly these feelings, the, this resentment towards Vladimir Putin, some of the, uh, you know, so to give one example is with, you mentioned the vaccine, the, the, the alleged vaccine. Um, there's been protesting and uh, in, uh, in calls for strikes by teachers who are being told that they have to take this vaccine even though it hasn't completed the very important phase three. Uh, human testing stage yet. And they're saying, you know, enough is enough. We're not guinea pigs. So as, as Biden, Putin's problems compound domestically, whether it's the poor economic situation, the drop in the price of oil, the consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic, or even internationally, where Russia is facing huge setbacks in Syria and in Libya, you can expect Putin to become more desperate, and you could expect uh, you know, equally the, the population will become more desperate on how they try to express their grievances as well.
0: You've been listening to Luke Coffey, Russia expert at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. I hadn't heard that part about teachers on strike trying to push back against this government mandate to take vaccines. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, there has to be a lot of anticipation around whether or not this vaccine is going to be safe for people to use because, as you noted, many Western scientists believe this was a rushed process and there were key steps that were skipped. Where does Russia stand on what they say is a successful vaccine? Are they already trying to get it into the mainstream part of society?
1: Well, they have highlighted um, uh, sort of frontline or key workers. Uh, which, you know, are, are you know, the usual uh, fields of employment, such as teachers and doctors, uh, um, who will get the vaccine first. Uh, Putin claims that his daughter, his daughters took, uh, his daughter took it. Uh, I believe he only has one daughter. And, um, and she's doing well. She feels fine. You know, there, there are no side effects. Uh, but they have not completed the crucial phase three human trials. Um, and the teachers, uh, the school just uh, reopened in September, I think, or September 1st, I think, um, in, across most of Russia. And they had been closed uh, since March. Um, and uh, ironically, uh, on, on September 1st, that was, I think, around about the time, it could have been the actual day that Russia surpassed one million cases. Um, and they've, they've suffered over 18,000 deaths. So the the Russian teachers who are already um, probably discontent over poor pay and working conditions uh, are now being essentially told that they're guinea pigs for this vaccine, and uh, they're not buying it. Uh, They don't like it. Um, And we'll see how this develops. This is a a developing story, uh, but definitely the teachers have um, been very outspoken on this.
0: Absolutely. Do you think the COVID-19 numbers out of Russia can be believed? It's such a large country and to have around a million cases is significant, but for the population of Russia, it would seem statistically that if that is the true number, they did a decent job at controlling the outbreak.
1: Yeah, po- r- the population of Russia is uh, just under half of that of the United States. So they have about 150, just under 150 million people roughly. Um, and according to the, the Russian um, official figures in terms of COVID, they, uh, they, they started getting higher levels of uh, infection later in the pandemic compared to other countries. Now, I don't trust anything that comes from the Russian state. There's nothing, for, there's nothing that has occurred in the past 15 or 20 years under the leadership of Vladimir Putin that makes me think that anything coming from the Kremlin is trustworthy, right? Um also the so I don't trust the numbers I think it's probably a lot worse. The most curious aspect of all of this is how uh you know, Russia shares one of the longest land borders in the world with China. Um there are lots of Chinese migrant workers in Siberia and eastern Russia. But yet we we're told that you know that the pandemic didn't really hit Russia hard until much later. Um, I suspect it was a lot earlier, and they were probably waiting to see how the international community was going to react or how the international community was going to be impacted before they became more um, uh, willing to share their information.
0: I guess my last question is, where do you see the COVID-19 situation headed in Russia, and how will these ongoing geopolitical stories impact the ability for Putin and the Kremlin to push forward their domestic and foreign policy agenda items?
1: Yeah, well, I think that the, you know, the, the COVID situation in Russia is um, not getting much better. Uh, and this is just compounding what is already a very difficult domestic situation for Vladimir Putin. Um, with the, the low price of oil... Um, the Western economic sanctions, like I already said, the, uh, the, the this view that Russia's sort of failing in places like Syria and Libya, Belarus, uh, the situation in Belarus is, is now up in the air. No one knows how that's going to play out. Uh, so one thing that Vladimir Putin has been able to do in the past was when things look bad domestically, he was able to rally the troops around the flag, rally the people around the flag. On some foreign policy adventurism, uh, but that's not really going to work this time around uh, because, as I said, there are setbacks in places where Russia has been active overseas, and the covid uh, pandemic globally limits Russia's ability to to act internationally and reduces um, the number of possibilities where Russia could try to divert attention from the domestic situation. So I don't think things look very, very good for Vladimir Putin right now. But that being said, these autocratic leaders have uh, an amazing ability to cling on to power. And everything he does, everything Vladimir Putin does when he wakes up in the morning is uh, is based on one mission and one goal, that is regime preservation, and he'll do what it takes to make sure that he maintains his level of power. So I don't think that we're at the stage where we're, we're at tipping point um, in Russia, but certainly things are made more problematic for Vladimir Putin.
0: It's definitely an interesting topic, and I really appreciate your insight on all of this. Luke Coffey, director at the Heritage Foundation. Luke, Thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.